Get to the church blind! Get to the church blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. You know, when I have a large project at home, sometimes it makes sense to do it by myself. At other times, I actually save money in the long term and have a much better solution if I use an expert. It's really not that much different with church planning. Church planners who focus on building their core team and actually planting the church and partner with portability experts like Portable Church Industries hit the ground running. Yes, you may have to raise more funds up front, but let me tell you something. If I could go back in a time machine and do one thing different in all the churches that I planted, I would go back and have invested that money in Portable Church and all of the super cool kit that they give you to make the volunteers and their lives much, much easier. Trust me, your volunteers will feel invested in, and they're going to give you more of what they got. And that time where people are setting up is going to be a time where it sets the atmosphere for you to thrive. If you're thinking about launching in the next six to 36 months, we encourage you to check them out at portablechurch.com. Hey, Church Planner, welcome to Hardcore Church Planting. My guest today is not only a regular, you know, when you watch those shows and it's like late night and they're, you know, or Saturday night live and they're like, yeah, this guy, you know, he's been on here. It's like when Steve Martin or Bill Murray comes on, it's like, uh, they, they talk about, you know, so and so has the record. Well, I think my guest today may have the record. We'll have to check. I think there's one other contender, but I'm fairly certain that particularly with this interview, uh, my guest has him beat. My guest today is multiple book author, uh, founder of Frontline Church Planting, coach, consultant, and, uh, pretty much a sexy ginger bald man. I mean, you know, there's no denying it. The author of the brand new book, Everyone's a Genius. Welcome to the show, Alan Briggs. Great to be with you. Always good to have a conversation. I, and whenever we get together, Peyton, I feel like it's, that uh, show driving in cars with comedians where they just like <laughs> talk about life for, for 15 minutes or whatever. And that's what I feel like it is. So I'm excited to, to chase any adventure we want to talk about in the next few minutes. Me too, man. I always feel like you're my brother from another mother. And uh, when we talk, it's funny because we were talking about this. We just spent 30 minutes uh, chatting before the show. And this is what we do. You know, I, I've never, most of my other guests, I get on, I get off. I'm like, Hey, I respect your time. But with Alan, I'm a little selfish. I, I sit on here, I pick his brain, I chat with him. We always kind of are, are, are passionate about similar things. And, uh, I'm always fascinated by what he's doing. So much to learn from him. So, uh, Alan, man, it's, it is good. And you've got a new book. I got to say the title is fantastic. When I first saw the title of this, I thought, man, that is a killer book title. Um, it is everyone's a genius. Um, gosh, I want to, I want to say, you know, what inspired that title. Um, but 
it's kind of really, what's the book about? I'm sure those are both the same question. Yeah, the, really for me, uh, the theme kept replaying uh, in life and leadership. And as you said, I coach people and consult and I work with church planters and established churches and kind of everywhere we go, uh, I think we see the good, bad and the ugly of spiritual gifts being, um, ut- I'd say, utilized, used and even abused in different places in conversation, um, whether it's here's the right way to have spiritual gifts, almost like here's the makeup you need to have if you really love God. And then here's kind of the other stuff off to the side. And, you know, we've we've seen that over the years. And so, um, but I think there's a, a new conversation that's happening based on wiring and creativity that we're seeing all throughout culture. And, um, and so for me, it's really connecting the church to those kind of conversations. Really interesting too. I do believe everyone's a genius, but uh, in Greco-Roman culture, they used to say uh, everyone has a genius. And so they understood the divine behind gifts that people can do so well. You're in the zone and you don't even know that you're doing that thing, a native ability. And so um, really, that's not something we've talked about a lot in the church other than just spiritual gifts assessment and uh, whatever we might have done in leadership training in, in our church. So my desire is to really connect that to the church to church planters, to mission-minded leaders, uh, and to help people essentially find what their genius is, um, or at least start the conversation through the book. So it's been a ton of fun, Peyton, hearing um, conversations and breakthroughs and people really you know, connecting with this idea and, and the content. And um, the subtitle is Unleashing Creativity for the Sake of the World. And I really feel like accidentally we as church leaders have often put leaders on a leash. And so it's time to take the leash off. You know, that's really interesting because I know you. I know that you're a crafter, a creator, a maker of things, a brewer of beans. You like making stuff. And one of my uh, former guests was uh, Brian Sanders. He is the pastor of the Underground Collective. If you've not heard of him, you will. Just wait. And uh, it, what God's been doing in Tampa has been pretty amazing. But he reads almost 300 books a year, right? I mean, guys like Einstein. And Just a fork, man. I, I'm telling you, you know. And, uh, you know, I thought I was a a fast and big reader until uh, I read his interview. This is what I read this year. And uh, I felt like how Mr. Keating says on Dead Poet Society, he kicked copies of Byron in my face. And mm-hmm. and so uh, Brian basically read a book and he said, you know, the, the new shift, and he goes, basically, there was the age of production, right? The, the Industrial Revolution led to the age of production, which led to the age of the consumer, and then he mentioned that, that really that we're entering now and you see it with the millennials. I always tell people, you know, old grumpy men like us, Alan, like you could, you could be grumpy at the millennials, but they know how to do stuff, right? Like they make stuff. They, they, they create. And that's the new economy. The new economy is people are creating things. We have Etsy. We have all these things, you know, we're seeing a return back to handcrafted goods and, craft beers and things that you make and create and express yourself through. Um, is that kind of where you're going in this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think those are manifestations of that in our culture. And there's a there's a craving for that. There's a hunger for that. I mean, it's almost that people, hopefully not in a consumeristic way, but are looking for craft church. 
and craft leadership development that says there isn't just one way to do it. And I think more and more people resisting the fact that, hey, here's what you do. You just put a person into this machine or they function as a cog to pump out other things. And so I really think it's a return almost to the dignity um, that, that creativity brings. And so we see it all throughout culture, and I think we're a little slow on the uptake. But, um, they, you know, there's guys like Erwin McManus that have been saying this for a long time, mm-hmm. that really the, the skills in the new age um, that we're starting to live into today uh, are creativity and resilience. And hearing a ton about that word grit or resilience, and we're hearing tons on creativity, the explosion of TED Talks. Uh, and different organizations going at their problems creatively instead of through a production mindset. Uh, it fascinates me. Honestly, I read a lot about it. I read a lot about human behavior and business books, um, but I get to observe it at the, the coffee shops. And certainly millennials understand um, that that culture and creativity cannot be unzipped from one another. Mm. So how do you, okay, so you're a leader and you know, you're a discipler and mentor and trainer, of others. So this is kind of what you eat, sleep, and breathe. How do you, and I know the book gets into this, unpacks it. How do you, as a field agent, discipling people, um, moving congregations forward on mission, how do you identify and then unlock and develop the gifting in the people that you're leading? Number one, it takes somebody else to do so. And we can't see everything that we do uh, or that we have, you know, in this case, a gifting, wiring, or genius for on our own. And so it takes us being in community. And so simply by me being across the table from somebody else, uh, I'm looking for things that they can do really, really well. And so like there's a new guy just started coaching a, a new church planter yesterday. His name is Chauncey. He's doing some incredible things in, in our city, but he doesn't know how gifted he is. Mm-hmm. And so we have a lot of conversations. Here's what I see in you. And um, simply by the work of affirmation, we maybe do 50% of that. But we don't live in a very affirming culture and, and less connected, I think, than we've ever been. Um, and so more connected uh, technologically, but I think less connected to people's hearts. So I think a lot of this is really simple and happens around a table, happens observing. I call it being a genius spy. When right. you watch somebody do something and you go, that was amazing. And you say, what was amazing? Because you just did it natively. And right. I said, I don't know how to do what you're able to do. That's incredible. How do you leverage that for kingdom work? And so I think it's that observing, but it's that challenging and pushing to say, don't just do that yourself, but actually sort of multiply yourself, scale yourself into other people to be able to do that. So um, it's it's really simple. We have to know what to look for. One of my favorite parts about the book is I actually um, talk about a series of giftings and wirings that we haven't really recognized within the church. Um, things like craftsmen and uh, makers that were t- that you were talking about. Hospitality. We're seeing the resurgence of hospitality, and I think that could be an amazing tool um, for the church in the 21st century. Interesting. So, okay, so hospitality. Unpack that a bit. Why is that such an important tool? I think we're returning to, like you said, the craft, things that are very personal to us. And so because I think we're we're sick of being over-messaged and we're sick of information um, to a level, we're skeptical because of that. We have to fight through a lot of false information. Uh, it's amazing to sit around a table with folks. And uh, I think we're a very distracted culture. So when we show somebody a listening ear, 
uh, it's amazing what breakthrough that that brings. And so I think more on the resurgence of biblical hospitality, not, you know, Martha Stewart, just the long table <laughs> dinner. Uh, I'm going to make you the best meal I can. But just literally being present and available with people is a massive ministry tool that I think the church uh, in, in past years understood. And we've gotten so busy and so disconnected um, that we forget that's probably the number one thing we can quote unquote gift our leaders is our full attention, whether it be in a group of people or whether it be attention to their discipleship, attention to their leadership development. Uh, and so that, that really view, we view that as a gift and that has a huge ROI uh, with our leaders. Right. So here we got, you know, and I think this is one of the, the huge takeaways um, for me in the last few years of leadership is that everybody is a genius. Like I, I remember when we were multiplying and I was trying to raise people up, um, I ran out of leaders. And what I was really running out of was people I thought were leaders from my own perspective. And I, I remember being troubled by this because it stopped our multiplication and church planning out. Um and I think discipleship is, as people have rightly identified exponential has been really big on this. Discipleship is the key to multiplication. But I felt the Lord say, disciple the people right in front of you. And sure enough, as I'm pouring in them, they become leaders. Yep. And, and, and your book's not saying everyone's a, a leader, but I, I began to feel like, gosh, you know, like if I really pour into people, they, Enter into it may not be that they become a church planner. They may not leave their nets and devote their lives to preaching the gospel, but they are going to unlock their potential yep. as I do that. And so, when you're looking at something like uh, you, you see the housewife, and she's she's written herself off. She's going, I don't write, I don't uh, play guitar, so I can't go up on stage on Sunday. I don't know how to do accounting or teach Sunday school. I hate kids. But except for my own, um, <laughs> what happens with her? I mean, what what you're writing here is is powerful because it involves unleashing everyone. What, what does that look like for her? How does she get a hold of this concept and boom, just unlock her potential? Yeah, well, I think, again, viewing it backwards, um, who's sitting across the table from her that's seen her in action that's that's become the role of a genius spy that's watching them do incredible things and i would say it starts there simply with that conversation maybe with a unique question of what do you see that i'm uniquely wired to do mm. and uh, in the midst of life in the midst of stress it sort of beats that out of us yeah. right and we sort of have to be what we feel like the next chain of emails needs us to be or the productivity and i see it all the time when people quit their job or um you know, are fired or whatever. They have a career break. They suddenly go, whoa, this is what I've been doing for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And actually sat with, you know, exactly somebody that you're talking about that had just had her career essentially stripped away in the season. And um, my wife and I are sitting there talking to her and seeing the genius sort of leak out, but she can't see it. And so then I said, well, how do you do this? Walk me through your process. And she was almost amazed as we wrote it down. Sometimes writing those things down, um, Peyton, is just an incredible tool because things to us don't become tangible until we write them down. And so that's a trick in the process to just say, here are the things you've done. Here are the things that you have as abilities. And I'd say the last one is we just have to get more creative. If we're looking for just 
speaking and just writing and just leading worship and uh, songs, and we're just looking for the things we've traditionally seen, we're not going to get it. We've got to be more creative, which I, which is why I really felt like I needed to offer some more of those areas um, where people can really shine. It validates. It says this matters, and you can actually repurpose this for God's kingdom. Yeah, you know, it's funny because um, every, you know, I think this is where we find like right now, in, in the last few years, it was funny because when I got hired by NAM, I met with a, a guy named Mac Lake, who's going to be my new boss. And he basically sat down and he said, uh, so what's your disc profile? What's your strength finder? And I said, man, everybody's talking about that, but I've never done one. And he goes, you've never done that? And I'm like, no, man, in the church planning circles, you know, and where I've been church planning, it's stuff we don't, but I was amazed. You're just because, trying not to get beat up, right, Peyton? I think, cause to be honest, when, when my, when my, uh, strength finder came back, it was kind of like, oh man, I must be a jerk, right? Like it was all like focus achiever, you know, I, I'm surprised I didn't die of a heart attack at like 20, you know, but, uh, <laughs> But it was, it was, I was like, man, I should be like on the, on the Wall Street floor doing stock market or something by how this is describing me. But what was interesting, what you're bringing up, as I served, uh, with Mac on one of the most incredible teams, like I didn't know this kind of teamwork was possible where Mac is very much an encourager. He will speak into your life constantly things that he sees. He'll also challenge you, but, Everything is about encouragement. If you haven't read the book, The One Minute Manager, if you want to open up Mac Lake and see what makes him tick, he took a, a, a big cue from that book. But the reality is, it, through his affirming, like you said, he was able to show me things about me that I did not. I got nicknames. I got, you know, basically, I feel like now you and I were having a talk before this where I said, you know, I'm starting to think about uh, I'm, I'm about 10 years ahead of this, but because I walk with guys that are 10 years ahead of me, um, I was telling you that I'm starting to think legacy 10 years ahead. Like, what is it I want to look back at at 65 and say, I did that. And that, you know, I ran the race, you know, I ran well, I, I fought the fight. What, what is it? What impact do I want to have? What do I want my track to have been? And, um, and, and so I'm a little bit early to that party, but, Part of it is now operating out of my strengths. And I think what you're, this is why I started with Strength Finder, because I think, um, you don't need to have that housewife log into strengthfinder.com and <laughs> take her Strength Finder. I think what you're saying is out of the, the body of Christ is itself designed if we're living in community to naturally bring these things out. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I mean, the body of Christ is the natural strengths finder. I mean, it should be um, the most original and a whole heck of a lot cheaper, right? And when I think through that, I mean, that's that's what we should be doing. And yet we've lost affirmation, not just in the church and encouragement, not just in the church, but in our whole culture. And I would say, I mean, where else other than the church can you go to truly be valued as who God has made you to be? Right. Because within that space, there should be affirmation there with no strings attached. And so I think we're relearning some things, Peyton, and I certainly have had to, and I'm trying to practice all of what I what I preach within Everyone's a Genius is to say, it's about us uncovering it. God puts it there. 
And um, sometimes we don't even know how to deal with the wiring God has given us. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, like you say, it feels wrong or in our culture, we don't know how to make sense of it. Example for me would be no one, uh, no one ever was able to teach or speak into how hospitality in my life and my space could be utilized. And so um, as it would always come up as, as number two, it was always teaching leadership and hospitality in there. And hospitality was usually number two. And I thought, I'm no Martha Stewart. I mean, I'm okay in the kitchen. I can make some great tacos, but it's a you good know, thing. I'm not that guy. Oh man. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> uh, for me. Yeah. That I love sitting down with people um, over food and having those conversations and bringing good coffee into the spaces that I curate, but I didn't know how to make sense of that. And really through some wise folks around me, um, they've spoken into that. Here's where we see the gifting and the wiring of hospitality sort of leaking out in your life. Um, and that's been hugely helpful to pull into both leadership and teaching. And that looks like me creating a lot of experiences and within coaching and consulting, I'm also able to, to utilize and practice that. So sometimes we know that the thing's there. We have no idea how to make sense of it. And we need those other leaders or just friends around us to help us do that. Right. That's so rad. So, Alan, in the book, you mention um, people that are easily overlooked in the church, like people that don't feel like a genius. And um, and then you mention, you know, uh, you call them the least of these as well. Um, how How do we recognize who those people are? And then what do we do um, to change our perspective? Yeah, I think to start on the other side, there's really a spectrum here. And one side really leads to a prideful culture where we put the people, we put only a few people on stages and they're the ones with incredible abilities to do something in a really unique way. And the excellence level is so high um, that it leaves people, you know, sort of looking up to them as an icon and looking up to them, you know, kind of almost in, in idolatry of the leader there uh, in that space. This would be the total other end of the spectrum where they, these people feel underutilized and bored. And they feel like there's no place for me here. There's no space for my gifts to be recognized. And so what we're talking about is actually halfway in between that, where we're building this empowering culture between pride and this falsely humble culture, this empowering culture um, that, again, seeks to kind of pull those folks folks out of that. And so um, in most of our churches, we have a lot of people who feel that emotion of underutilized and bored. And so I think it takes some work. I think it's pretty easy to see when somebody is feels disengaged and uninvited to the party. And so, um, you know, I think in terms of strategy of how we do that, that's a whole different ballgame. But I think just look for the people who are bored. Look for the people who feel underutilized and who don't feel like they can bring their best selves um, and their unique wiring and exactly how God's built them into the church space. Often they're succeeding, Peyton, in business. They're doing incredible things in the course of the week. And so sometimes it helps to actually go see them uh, in their other place or space yep. um, within their families as well to say, wow, you are incredible at this. I had no idea that you painted these or you were a woodworker. Uh -huh. I had no idea you ran meetings and led a team of 15 agents all over the country. Right. Incredible. We've never seen that because they look maybe falsely discontent or bored in our, in our church spaces, leadership gatherings. And maybe we haven't even called them into mission in a way, and we need to just kind of recalibrate. Yeah, so <laughs> it was really funny. We we had a woman when we planted in uh, downtown Long Beach. 
she was an old retired she was an old lady um she had a handicap um she uh she was quite masculine for a female and she um you know as i got talking to her um getting to know her a little bit which this is such everything you're saying this is such a church planter's perspective because I think when you're in a church plant scenario, not a church start, which you know, Alan, I, I believe church starts and church plants. Church starts are, hey, let's go start a congregation, get a bunch of people, hit critical mask, hundreds of thousands, and do this big church just shuffling Christians around. For me, a church plant uh, is often you, you've got a team and they've, you're starting with lost people, kind of like they did in first century. So... um that that really becomes the the missional focus. So in those situations, you live a lot more up close and personal and you get to know people. There's no uh, curtain separating you and the, and, and the people on your team. You're, you're, you're seeing everything up close, warts and all. So as, as I got to know her, I found out she was a big major exec. She had been single all her life, but was a major exec for Lockheed Martin. And last night, you know, and it, and it was basically, we were like, we need to use you. And she, she said to me, she said, thank you. She goes, you are the first person in church leadership to ever look beyond the fact that I was a woman and mm-hmm. to say, this person has gifts and abilities that, you know, we, we've got her. I, th- I can't remember what she was doing in the very beginning. It was so mundane and she was happy to do it. I think it was like she picked up waters from every, every week she picked up waters from the supermarket and brought waters. That was her job. That's what it was. And, um, to, to realize that we had basically had a Ferrari that we were basically just, just using to drive from one park into the parking lot to another at five miles an hour. That's what it felt like, you know, yeah. and, and we do um, that. And so often. Yeah. Hey, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's that, that, that gal is in our congregation. That guy is in our congregation, our launch team. Um, I mean, again, maybe it's two years into a church plant. Like they're there and we haven't seen it. Maybe they're sort of attracted or excited to the idea early in the process, but we're built to contribute. And so maybe they've just never been invited. Maybe they've never felt um, pulled into the party. But for me, it's the idea of the hungry versus the impressive. Like we look for the impressive leader and God just continually pounds me with this. He did this for the other day for me with a leader was to say, don't look for the hungry or don't look for the impressive, excuse me, look for the hungry. And it's amazing how they grow and you apprentice them in leadership and leadership and cool things happen. But um, that almost haunts me is to think who's sitting um, right here in this gathering, in this leadership meeting, this core team um, that wants to be activated, and how could I potentially be holding them back from being activated? That weighs on me. I mean, that's that's a heavy spiritual responsibility as a leader, right? And and so here's here's the interesting thing. Last night I was I was because uh, I'm out. You know how like when you're out of church planting, you reevaluate and rethink everything, and so. For me, often one of the, the keys to innovation for me is I keep getting out of it. I'm not just going for it on autopilot. I have big respect for people that stay at the same church 20, 30 years. Um, it's just not part of my apostolic 
wiring. And it, for me, it's helpful to get out. It's like having a sabbatical. You reevaluate. Now, last night we were talking and my wife has a, uh, a friend who was, um, she's been going to church and she was just explaining. Andrea got in the car and said, you know, I was so excited. I met with my friend today. She goes, Peyton, if we start something again, I think she, she goes, it was just like the spirit was in this conversation. And I felt like if we planted, this woman would want to be there. She, she, I could just almost sense it. And I said, Oh, that's cool. And she's just started telling me, hun, she's so gifted. She administrates this and she does that and this and that. And she's just telling me about all this crazy stuff that this lady did. And I was like, wow. Like again, like that other woman, it, it was like this, that's a powerhouse of, of an individual. But I doubt, I said to Andrew, isn't this crazy? I doubt she's ever been in church and ever had anyone tap into those gifts that she possesses. No one's even been interested in them. And it's insane because people would pay her top money in a business setting to do what she does. Yep. And somebody took an interest in us. At some point, somebody pulled something out of us. And that's why... We've gotten to walk within the spaces that we have. Absolutely. And we Absolutely. now it's our turn. It's our turn to do that with somebody else. And I think about, you know, five or six men and women alongside of me at crucial moments pulled something out. And that called me back to a stewardship of who God had, had made me to be. Now I want to do the same for other people. Yeah. So good. Well, brother, let me ask you this. Um where can people connect with you? Obviously, they can go to Amazon and pick up your book, Everyone's a Genius. Uh, are, are there any other websites that you want um, uh, to point people to, to connect with you, to maybe look deeper into the stuff that you're doing or the book? AlanBriggs.net. That's A-L-A-N-B-R-I-G-G-S.net. It's kind of a hub for, for what I do. And, and that talks about some of the coaching and consulting through Stay Forth Designs. Um, that I do as well. I do a lot of life design and ministry design and um, really help folks do exactly this this book, this process, live into who God's created them to be. So that's a good place to start and they can you know, kind of jump off and see some of the other things we have going on there too. Very cool, man. Well, Alan, always we like to kind of have a, a little question at the end. You are a, 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 I don't know what to call it. You're, you're, a, you're a return victim. Um, you've been here before, but, uh, if you and Matt Fretwell, new breed director were to get into physical fist fight, who would win? All right. Clearly Matt would win, but I'm going to tell you why this matters a lot. I don't know if a lot of the listeners know Matt, but he used to be an executive chef. And so I feel like Matt would lure me in with food or a meal of some sort and then would just trick me somehow into getting so full that he would just pummel me at that moment. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's brains and brawn and he would use his brains to then beat me up with his brawn. So, I mean, he's he's basically me plus about 50 pounds of muscle. So yeah. I don't have a shot in that one, Peyton. He's kind of a ripped dude. He's pretty big and – uh he work, he works hard, but I didn't know this until I had him on this podcast. And, uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time with Mac over the years, but I did not know that he grew up in a very rough neighborhood. And, uh, he was like, Hey man, I, I don't remember if it was the Bronx or where it was, but he was like, 
Hey, I grew up in such and such neighborhood. And he's like, without any hesitation, when I, when I pit him against somebody, he's like, Oh, I'd win. <laughs> yeah. So, and every time I come on here in this question, I lose. So this, the hardcore podcast is terrible for apparently my wussy spirit. You know, so, do I not know. ever coach anyone on fighting. There are guys that do that, but that is not your forte. But if you guys want to connect with uh, Alan, he is just a rad dude. He'll walk with you. Um, guy is just a, a wealth of information on leadership, discipleship. So um, anyways, my guest today has been Alan Briggs. want to thank you for tuning in. And Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planning. Hardcore Church Planning has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.